ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Game Changer Network, and we are revitalizing a series that we had a couple of years ago called Uncommon Giving. And Uncommon Giving is a way that we can talk to people in the business world about how they weave into their business giving back, whether it's to their community, to their people, to, to the world. And we have an amazing guest for you today, and, and we're breaking from tradition a little bit because normally we interview authors. But our guest today is Clarence O'Berry. Clarence, welcome. Thank you. Would you do me a favor and just give our listeners a thumbnail into who you are and uh, kind of how we, we ended up getting together? Sure. So my name is Clarence O'Berry, and I am a Native American. I'm an enrolled member of Siston Wapton Sioux Tribe. And I actually grew up in Lansing, Michigan. And, uh, and uh, my father was in the Air Force. Uh, my mother was grew up during the era of uh, Indian assimilation and was forced boarding school and met my father. And we uh, settled it in Lansing, Michigan, which is where my father grew up. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. Uh, my parents uh, divorced at an early age, so I had to either earn my own money or go steal. I chose to earn my own money. And uh, my mother passed away, uh, was actually murdered by a significant other when I, I had just turned 16. And my older brother, who uh, ended up uh, meeting uh, a Native American girl and, and married her and was residing in North Dakota, became my guardian, and that's how I got back to North Dakota. And I ended up uh, finishing high school out here and then going on to uh, a local community college and got involved in construction. And next thing I knew, before I even graduated, I had my own construction business. So I did that for several years. And uh, successfully, I was successful in doing that, and uh, a lot of local people, I was, by that time, I was living on a Native American Indian reservation. And a lot of people took notice to that, and the tribe uh, recruited me to help manage one of their tribal businesses, and that was it was a construction okay. business. And um, from there, I left there after about two and a half years, so that was my first year or my first experience with tribal politics. <laughs> and uh, well, I, I and probably it it, it's a little bit like corporate politics, but with its own yeah. flair, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. From there, I uh, uh, went back to my own business uh, for about a year and a half, and the tribe came back and attempted to recruit me for a year and a half to another business that they had, which was building cables and wire harnesses for military weapon systems. So I eventually uh, decided, after a year and a half of them pursuing me, I said, all right, uh, they offered me the CEO spot, and I turned it down because I didn't know a thing about electronics. And they are after me for about a year and a half, and they came back and said, well, if you don't want the CEO spot, would you take the marketing director? And I said, again, I appreciate the offer, but I don't know a thing about electronics. It doesn't matter what position you offer me. But they kept after me, so I finally gave in. I said, all right, I'll take the marketing director spot, but I want to be evaluated in 30 days. And if you don't like my recommendations, we'll part ways because I have my own business. Um, Anyways, what I didn't realize at the time was I didn't know anything about marketing. <laughs> and so uh, 
it takes a long time to go out and uh, <laughs> build relationships, nurture them, and you know before you can earn some you know people's respect or you know their confidence and, and get their business. Right. And uh, I've been part of that organization since then, and that was back in 1993. So I'm going. This is going on my 24th year of being part of this organization. So I went from doing uh, having my own business, which took care of my family extremely well. Uh, once I stepped into this other role, it was taking care of multiple families. And because in Native American country, uh, there's anywhere from two to sometimes, you know, four, even five generations in a household. And so you, wow. you employ one person, you're affecting, you know, three or four generations or mm-hmm. take, you know, and so I've been doing that ever since. And what uh, so we started with wire harnesses, and then we e- evolved into doing business for the federal government in the Department of Defense. Uh, we've grown that business to uh, in multiple lines of businesses and activity in about 28 states and abroad. And with you know, that, I think most people don't have any idea of the impact on commerce that that your community. Uh, makes uh, and I think I shared with you when we first talked. I I I was only exposed to it because I was flying back and forth to Las Vegas all the time when my company was building LasVegas.com, and I sat next to someone um, from the Seminole uh, tribe, and he was telling me that the Seminole tribe purchased more flat screen TVs than anyone in the world. And it never occurred to me, you know, that that the casino business and and the flat TV business went, you know, very well together. And then he proceeded to tell me, you know, that they had done more in security and facial recognition and all of those things. And, and, you know, it just opened my eyes because, you know, we, we just wouldn't have known. Exactly. Um, you know, the other interesting is this kind of off business subject is the percentage of Native Americans who enlist into, you know, into the military, uh, which is extremely high as well. Right, right. You're right. We we wouldn't know that. I mean, I happen to know because my husband is a World War Two movie buff and I'm forgetting the, the name of the movie that, that had uh, the the coding that was done by the Indian uh, uh, the Native American that was uh, using his native language as a part of the coding system. I don't know if you ever saw that, but um, but yeah, it's just it's just such a world that we we should, as Americans, as all of us are Americans, we should understand our roots a little bit better than than we do. Which is one of the reasons why I thought it would be so great to have you tell your story and and not just your own personal story and 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 your story of business. But also tell us a little bit about your latest initiatives that you're doing under the brand called Poem. So tell us what that means. Tell us what it stands for. Uh, tell us why you did it. Uh, the reason I did it was we do a lot of business with the government. We have we're in multiple states, and I wanted. To, uh, but and there's no reason we had to do business only with the government. And so I was. Uh, had an interest in diversifying further to get into the commercial market. And the keys there was if uh, – commercial market is pretty saturated unless you're a disruptor with a brand-new technology or a brand-new exactly. uh, angle altogether. But, and so the discriminator in commercial is, is uh, you, know, you could be an oil-changing place. And the key to being different is, is you can identify why you're different. 
And so my my people were very familiar with uh, government work and how to go after government, how to market government work, and how to acquire government work, but they were not uh, as versed in how to go after commercial business. And so after 26 years of being in business, I actually hired a marketing group <laughs> to uh, uh, marketing people, so I brought them on board. But uh, and, and I it didn't. My vision when I first started with the tribe. All of a sudden, it went from taking care of my family to a group of people, and I wanted that same flavor, if you will, that same approach in our commercial efforts, and um, I also wanted uh, a, to create a platform that allowed us for you know uh, a broad diversification platform as well, and so uh, we went through this long effort. So I had to educate my people on. Uh, and I said, you, we do all kinds of things, uh, selling products to services. And I said, right. the name doesn't really matter so much or the products and or the service that doesn't matter as much. It's the name. It's, I said, we need to create a trademark. And so about three years in the making, we brainstormed on a name. I said, I don't want this name fat, slapping people in the face saying we're Native American or we're a tribal business because that might attract some people. But there's only 2% of Native American population in the United States. And I said, if we want this to be anything meaningful, anything substantial, it's got to be attractive and resonate with more than just the Native American community. And so three years in the making, and my son, uh, who worked for me, uh, his name was Jeremy, uh, was part of this initiative. And he loved working for us because he liked thinking out of the box, thinking creatively. creatively. And so we came up, we were throwing names back and forth and uh, came up with some really creative things. But I said, I want something that resonates with a broad mass of people. I mean, we do business across the United States, so why couldn't this name resonate with people across the United States? In fact, we do right. business outside the United States. And so we finally ended up with Poem. And my team came back and said, Clarence, what in the world does Poem have to do with Native <laughs> Americans? And I said, I said, I wanted a name that I could tell a story on how it connects to our roots, but I didn't want to slap people facing we're Native. And I said, so think – the reason I liked poem was, uh, I said, historically, a lot of things have not been documented about Native Americans. Yet we're in history books, but it's not from our perspective; it's from a Caucasian perspective. Exactly. I said, yet, and I said, I want, I want to tell the story and not even say anything about Native Americans, but the, you know, in, in telling the story, that other people could say uh, that it sounds like their story. But so I said, if you think about. Uh, Native Americans not being, you know, a lot of things not uh, publicized or documented about them, yet we survive. You know, our beliefs survive. Our uh, uh, rites of passages survive. Our ceremonies survive. Our language survive. All, all these things survive, and it survives from our ancestors, from our, uh, from our parents, from our aunts and uncles, from our grandparents who give us, you know, teach us through stories, through songs, through poems. And that's how I came up with poem. And I said, now, how do we take mm. that? Which is a great story. If you think about if uh, when people we read this story, hear about the story, this, they'll say, it doesn't matter where they're from, what country they're from. That sounds like my family. That sounds like my culture. That sounds like, like my people. Um, and so I said, now, how do we blow this up to make it even more powerful? <laughs> and so, again, brainstorming went into it. And I finally came up with People of Earth Matter. What could be better than that? I mean, no so, kidding. I, it's so timely, so timely with whatever everything's going on in our world. Absolutely. 
I, uh, if you think about people of Earth matter, what types of initiatives could fall under that? Anything good for our environment, our plants, our animals, people. And so I have these big aspirations on where POEM could go and what we could do. And so I'm looking for initiatives that we could uh, get involved in that fall under anything good for people, our environment, our world. And the other part of this story is, is historically, since colonialism, Native Americans have been excluded from society. We weren't allowed to be citizens of the United States until 1924. We weren't allowed to even hold uh, official offices until the 70s, almost 80s. We weren't allowed to practice our own uh, Native American uh, religious ceremonies until 1978. It wasn't until 1975 that the federal government under the Nixon administration passed the Indian Self-Determination Act which really allowed the tribes to kind of take control and make decisions of their own government and of their own uh, economy. Um, and a lot of those tribes are in – the tribe I'm working for is in a very rural area, North Dakota. And so mm -hmm. economy here is, you know, is, was almost non-existent when I came here. Uh, and, and the tribe was involved in, in extremely very little. Um, but what's cool about this is People of Earth Matter and what I've been doing for the last uh, actually 27 years, that's how long I've been involved in tribal businesses now, is, is I'm creating this platform of inclusiveness, of involving mm -hmm. everybody, not excluding anybody. Right. And I, I've got uh, – so I've got big aspirations where People of Earth Matter could go, but I've also got these strategies on how we could leverage our tribal sovereignty in benefiting everyone that – we touch. Uh, right. Benefits. Talk about that a little bit because I, I think that one is really fascinating because, um, again, this is something that most people don't know. I had actually heard uh, bits and pieces of this story before I was introduced to you. So, so tell us a little bit about the, the tribal sovereignty and, and the benefits of partnering with, uh, with Native American businesses. I'd be glad to. Now, tribal sovereignty isn't truly isn't true sovereignty. It's more like semi-sovereign. The federal government says you have sovereignty, but you got to follow these rules, um, and so it's not true sovereignty. It's not 100% sovereignty. But with sovereignty, even with what the federal government's uh, granted us, th there's some value in there. there. There's a there's a value proposition that most people in the United States don't have and don't understand or, or uh, and don't appreciate because they don't even know about it. Uh, but high-level um, sovereignty uh, advantages is, is, one, we don't have to file a tax return with the federal government. That gives us a competitive advantage. Or the fact that technically states don't have jurisdiction over tribes. And so uh, th these are uh, leverage points that we could use to and I can come up with strategy after strategy on how this benefits right. uh, the states or our partners or investors. Uh, the other part of the uh, sovereignty is is that you can't file a legal suit against us. Now, some tribes take the position that you know you can't you, know, you can't screw with us because we have sovereignty. That's the wrong approach. That's right. like picking a fight or butting. You're looking to butt heads. What I'm doing is I'm taking these sovereignty advantages, if you will, twisting them to show how the value that it brings. 
and how it can benefit a state and how it can benefit our partners. And, uh, and, and he's got strategy after strategy on how it can benefit people, our municipalities, our government, our you know, Department of Defense, just across the board. Because let, let's say I got into a, a large uh, initiative and technically I could be more competitive because of our position. Now, some states will say, wait now, wait now, you got to pay our taxes. I'm not taking away the entire tax base because our employees will still be paying taxes. Our oh, employees will need housing. Our employees are going to be buying groceries and you know cars and all those things. But our vendors are also going to be paying taxes. It's just going to be at our level where we're not required to do it. And so uh, when I bring this up to a state, uh, first thing is, you know, it, it rubs them wrong because, wait, we want our tax base. But right. what I'll do is I'll paint this picture of here's the value. We could, you know, we're in 28 states now. We do business outside the United States. We could attract business to your state, business that you don't have now. Exactly. And you, and there's just so many ways. It doesn't matter if it's a mom and pop or if it's a Walmart or if it's it's an Apple. I can come up with a strategy. And again, I'm looking to not take advantage of people because that doesn't fall under people of Earth Matter. Uh, I'm looking at being uh, responsible, uh, a good steward, a, a good neighbor on how we leverage these things. And well, I, it's I love my opinion, that story. I love that story. I'm sorry. Uh, finish your thought. It's my opinion that tribes, their resources, more specifically tribal entities, because that's where the field I play in, are extremely undervalued resources in this country. Mm-hmm. And I've got this platform that's inclusive of involving everybody. So Clarence, I, I have one one last question as, as we close down. So, you know, what you have described is that people of Earth uh, Matter will help you take uh, – initiatives and kind of wrap them together uh, on your website you you talk about uh, this new one about artists which unfortunately we don't have time to to delve into that but I'm hoping that our listeners right. will take time to go and take a look uh, at that and I'll ask you when we're done uh, to share the the right URL for that um, you know but but this this interesting opportunity to collaborate and and benefit the world and and all of these uh, diverse people who who are sharing in in this planet that we all happen to uh, yeah. to inhabit. So so Clarence, um, just to wrap up, would you share with folks the best way for people to get in touch with you and to learn more about how they might collaborate with you? Absolutely. Uh, my uh, our website is uh, www.poem.world. Uh, we own the trademark to it. We own the web domain to it. We also own peopleofearthmatter.world. Uh, the, so you can either contact me through there or via my phone number, which is 701-421-1001. And our first Hello. initiative under poem.world is an art curator platform. Yeah, and I was just looking at that, and that is really superbly done. Uh, so congratulations there, well, and you. I'm going to take a, a deeper look into that. And I've got some folks I want to introduce you to, uh, you know, which we can talk about offline. Uh, one one guy in particular that I'm thinking of who is doing an enormous amount of work with uh, tapping into the talents in rural America. And so it seems to me like there's just an amazing intersection uh, between the two of you. So I will open that door for you. Awesome. But thank you again so much for taking your time on a Friday. And uh, I look forward to reconnecting with you uh, after this show. And just 
seeing how I can help you and, and furthering your vision. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed this. Terrific. Well, thank you so, so much. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Thank you.